It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's How Do We Fix It with Richard and Jim. Michael Shermer, Heavens on Earth, The Dangers of Utopia. There's nothing wrong with aiming to improving society. That's a good thing. Uh, but again, it's like what I tell the you know the radical life extension is just get get me to 90 without Alzheimer's. Look, look, don't 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 aim for the perfect society. Let's just see if we can reduce the rate of crime in inner cities by 10 percent this year. How, How do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Richard, you and I are practical people, and our belief that there are solutions to most of the world's problems is actually what brought us together to do this show in the first place. Right, so perhaps this episode might seem a little off-topic, but bear with us. We're talking today with author and well-known skeptic Michael Shermer about some of the ideas raised in his new book, Heavens on Earth, The Scientific Search for the Afterlife, Immortality, and Utopia. Michael has been on our show before and makes a welcome return. He joins us via Skype from Santa Barbara, California, a state that rose to prominence with its own form of utopia, the California Gold Rush back in, what was it, 1849? 1849. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Oh, you're Um, welcome. Glad to be back. Bonus round. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, You wrote this book to explore... What drives people to believe in the life after death or some kind of utopian future? What got you interested in that? Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm in my 60s now, so I guess cramming for the final. <laughs> now, uh, really, it's kind of more of an extension of my uh, previous work. You know, I'm an atheist. I'm a scientist. I'm a materialist. I don't, I don't believe in God, the afterlife, the supernatural, or any of that. So... But mostly the main focus of the book is is on a new movement that's kind of arose in the past couple of decades on what I call athe- afterlife for atheists. That is, these are secular scientists, atheists who want to create either create heavens on earth through utopias. But that's uh, uh, a minor part compared to what's going on now, which is more like radical life extension, you know, through reprogramming your body, through nutrition and exercise, supplements, vitamins and minerals and blood cleansing and all these different technologies from there to, um, you know, reprogramming the genome to fix the telomere problem so your cells can divide indefinitely without becoming cancerous. And then to cryonics and transhumanism, you know, that are no longer in the realm of science fiction, that there's actual people, real scientists with a lot of money in some cases, like um, Ray Kurzweil is the chief engineer of Google, you know, and they're pouring millions of dollars into these programs. And, you know, Peter Thiel and you know, other of these Silicon 
Valley tech billionaires. What about the people you call the afterlifer atheists, often scientists who want to extend life? What are they doing? Well, they're they're trying to 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 literally live forever. They they don't they don't want to live forever metaphorically or in some esoteric heaven or afterlife that may or may not be there. They're trying to extend life as long as possible. That's right. Yep. And so you know, cryonics is is a version of that where you're by by freezing your 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 head or your brain, right? That's right. At, at, at minus you know whatever two hundred and fifty degrees uh, in a vat of liquid nitrogen, uh, there's no molecular action at all. You're, you're, basically, your molecules are frozen. They can't do anything. I can't even bring back a frozen casserole from my freezer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Michael, you're a well-known skeptic, uh, publisher of Skeptic Magazine. Are you skeptical of these people as you are skeptical of religious folk? Yes, I am. Uh, absolutely. And uh, although in this case, I, yeah, I'm, I'm actually hoping they're, they're right and that they can actually make it happen before I hit the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, there uh, might be a nice middle ground there. Just another 30 or 40 years, maybe. <laughs> well, th- this is what I tell them. You know, they say, Shermer, don't you want to live to be a thousand? It's like, well, listen, guys, just get me to 90 without, you know, Alzheimer's and cancer and get me to 100 without being in a morphine drip in a bed with tubes. You know, no one wants to live like that. That's not living. In other words, solving specific problems would be a huge uh, boon to humanity if they can do this. And, and I think they can. You know, it's like figuring out the cause of Alzheimer's and why we get the plaques and tangles in our neurons and how to stop that, uh, regardless of whether there's an afterlife or not or whether, whether or not these cryonics people can uh, uh, succeed. We live in the here and now. This is all we have now, today. Uh, you know, who knows what tomorrow brings, okay? So make today count. Make every relationship you have count. Make your interaction with others, strangers, your community, the society, everything you do counts in a tiny little bit, just a little a, a little tiny bit difference you can make. Michael, what's the link between scientists who want to extend life for incredibly long amounts of time and other forms of utopia? Christopher Hitchens famously said, you know, you're at the party and someone taps you on the shoulder and says you have to leave the party. And not only that, the party's going to go on without you and they're going to have a good time. It's like, oh, no. Uh, you know, so there is that. Of course, none of us, most of us do not want to die. And and the tech people, you know, the, the you know, the radical life extensions and so on, most of them are atheists and and they don't believe that um, there's a, a promised afterlife to go to that we have to actually make it ourselves. So that's, you know, that's part of their motive. Uh, but but a slightly different uh, drive behind that is well, there's something about the idea of perfecting humanity, both biologically and culturally, socially, politically. And, and that's why I wrote those two chapters in the middle of the book on, on utopias and you know the attempts to create heavens on earth here, politically, socially. Uh, whether or not we can live forever, at least we can live in, 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 in ultimate perfect bliss. And, 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 and those ideas are just as bad as you know some of the other afterlife ideas that lead to well they, they anything from the goofy communes of the 19th century to the suicide cults like Jonestown or or the heaven's gate people you know drinking the the, the Kool-Aid to go to the next place uh, to the grand socialist communist experiments you know which they were going to create you know perfect utopia uh, you know, uh, workers paradise bliss here. If we can only get rid of the people that oppose it, all those capitalists and so on. 
and that leads to the death of tens of millions. And so these these ideas have consequences. So, you know, I think many of us are surprised to see that reasonably modern, educated people could fall for things like the the Jonestown cult or, you know, the Heaven's Gate uh, cult where they thought they were all going to be whisked away in the tail of the comet uh, Hale-Bopp. And, you know, I think we can all agree that that's a version of the afterlife that's really insidious and dangerous. But when you talk about political movements like um, like Marxism uh, and fascism, those also are driven out of this, the, as you say, out of this desire for some kind of, of transformative future. Now, but I want to back up just a little bit and say there's nothing wrong with aiming to improving society. That's a good thing. Uh, but again, it's like what I tell the you know the radical life extension is just get get me to ninety without Alzheimer's. Look, look, don't 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 aim for the perfect society. Let's just see if we can reduce the rate of crime in inner cities by ten percent this year. Now, you know, to to dreamers, the college student dreamers and so on, that doesn't sound sexy. Like, yeah, that's that's the problem, isn't it, with us relative moderates or skeptics that that we're not sexy. Yes, exactly. It's like that. That sounds like a boring goal. I want to achieve perfection. Well, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, you, you still have to get there incrementally anyway. Why not just work on the very specific problems, you know, like the like the Gates Foundation goal of eradicating uh, certain diseases in Africa? You know, it's a very targeted uh, goal. Or let's see if we can end poverty everywhere it, as defined by the U.N. as making less than two dollars and fifty cents a day uh, you know that's one of their millennial goals uh, and, and they're going to do it by 2030 maybe even sooner i mean it's just amazing that that can happen you know you you mentioned all the progress that's being made around the world improving health and reducing violence if you talk to most people in this country they'd be shocked that that's that you're even making those claims it's so obvious to so many people that the world seems to be falling apart right now and you write that that kind of pessimism about the present is actually a very common part of movements throughout history that either romanticize some distant past or they reach out to some transcendent future or both but either way they've got to basically say that everything sucks right now yeah there's a couple reasons for that psychologically of course the news media if it if it bleeds it leads the, you know, the media bias is is what they're tasked to do is cover the bad news. So no one sends a camera crew to Sweden to cover yet another year without a war or revolution. Uh, but they do send camera crews to Syria <laughs> because that's where the, the, the bad news is. So if you only watch the evening news, you follow the headlines instead of the trend lines, you're going to have a distorted view of the world. Which and, is yet, and, they- and yet, Michael, there are some trends that are profoundly disturbing. Here in the United States, for the first time in many, many years, uh, the life expectancy rate has flattened and may even beginning to, to decline because of the uh, awful implications of the opioid crisis. Yes. Okay. So these are uh, specific uh, instances where there is a downturn in the curve, say. Uh, so it, it's, you know, three steps forward, two steps back. Uh, it's not that every single trend line is always going up. Our podcast is How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're speaking with Michael Shermer, who is the publisher of Skeptic Magazine, a monthly columnist for Scientific American, and also the author of the new book, Heavens on Earth, The Scientific Search for the Afterlife, Immortality, and Utopia. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Clearly, Michael, you're a big skeptic of utopian visions. Um, so what should the rest of us do with this? Because I have to say, I don't think most of us are real utopians. Yeah, uh, protopia. That's what we should do. Protopia is where you, you attempt to make the world a better place incrementally, just a little bit better tomorrow than it is today, today better than it was yesterday just incrementally, just do little things. Uh, uh, and that's all most of us can do in any case. Most of us can't be grand utopian designers of society. Uh, you know, that's what that's what dictators want to do. Uh, so all any of us can do is just try to take care of our own. <laughs> and then from there, you know, give to charity, help nonprofit groups and, and, and uh, you know, just be nice to your neighbors. And, you know, just, just that kind of stuff is the sort of thing that well, doing podcasts like this, you know, just the conversation, just, just talking about the things we could do. In, in reality, that's how progress is made in society, politically, economically, socially, culturally. You know, we've made a lot of progress. And, and yet, Michael, many people that I mix with or good friends are paralyzed by pessimism, so distressed by Donald Trump, so distressed by what's been going on lately with politics, that their reaction is, uh, is to be extremely depressed by all this. Is, is that paralyzing? Yes, it's terrible. This is, the, this is the downside to pessimism and why we have to push back against it and, and, and keep pounding away at the idea that, you know, that life is better. 2017 is the best year in the history of humanity. You know, in you know the number of vaccinations, the number of communicable diseases, the the number of hours you have to work per year to feed your family. All these curves are all in the right direction, and you know you have to remind people of that because of our pessimism bias. It, it freezes people, it paralyzes them, it makes them feel like, well, what's the point? No, 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 that's wrong. Yes, we can do something about it. We all can collectively. People who are critics of your worldview say, how can you have? morality? How can you have some overarching purpose in your life without a belief, you know, in the divine or an afterlife? And you argue uh, persuasively that one can root these values in the, uh, in rationalism and in understanding science and society. Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing that for centuries. Do people say, can you do this? I say, we've been doing it a century ago, pretty much Women could hardly vote anywhere in the world. Now they can vote in every single country in the world, including Saudi Arabia. Now, last year, they still had to be driven to the polls by their <laughs> husbands. But even that's now changing. Women in Saudi Arabia can now drive, apparently. Today is the best time ever. These are the good old days. And but, but when people believe about this about the past, it sometimes leads them to make sort of extreme decisions about the present, right? 
Totally. Like you want to go back to the 1950s, you know, it's like, okay, so here's what we got to do. Uh, you know, know, seal up the borders and, 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 and and quit being so inclusive to people that are different from us and so on. And all go, let's all go back and work in coal mines. How about it? Yeah. Clean coal. Oh yeah. That's great. You know, by the way, it's good to remind conservatives what the tax uh, tax rate was in the 1950s. You know, it was in the 90%. Okay. You don't want to go to the 1950s. Okay. Even conservatives, come on. Uh, I mean, and look how look how people treated Jews and women and blacks in the 1950s. Forget it. We don't want to go to the 1950s. You know, things were terrible then. And the te- the television was dreck. You know, there, there's even studies on that. You know, how much more sophisticated television programs are today. Even comedies. You know, the writing is vastly better. The plots are more intricate and and developed and interesting to watch. So the so the goal then is to make the most incrementally, you know, the incremental improvements in our current age. Don't think we're going to either break through to some utopian future or revive some idyllic past. Yeah, it's not going to happen. So when we're looking for the little ways that we can make a difference without indulging in these utopian fantasies, what are some things we can do beyond our sphere of our personal relationships? Well, you can vote. Write your congressman, your senator. This, you know, the, the, these kind of things sometimes actually do matter. You can support your local charities, your soup kitchens, your your nonprofit education organizations like the Skeptic Society. <laughs> you can sit, you know, there's there's tons of the there's a whole movement now called affective altruism, where you know the goal is to really direct the money straight to the people that really need it instead of supporting brick and mortar buildings of the nonprofit and payrolls and things like that. So, you know, there's there's quite a few ways um, that you know you can really make a difference outside of yourself to improving overall you know humanity and life. Michael Shermer, the book is Heavens on Earth. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. As I was doing my research on this, it struck me that we're recording this show just past the third year anniversary of the attack on the Charlie Hebdo, the, the the French satirical magazine by a group of Islamic terrorists. And and when that happened, there was just such a sense of outrage. And we've had so many similar attacks since. So it really strikes me that certain ideas can seem really abstract. They can kind of seem like they're off in the netherworld. Do we really need to concern ourselves with, with that, utopians? Yeah. Yes, with these, these afterlife for utopian notions. And those attacks make you realize there are people... People not that different from us, people who are educated, uh, people who are, uh, you know, maybe in their lives before we're even secular, who can embrace these ideas, be willing to give their own lives for it, take a lot of other lives in the process. And so this is an important discussion. These are not just ideas that you might not like or might disagree with. These are ideas that can move large groups of people to do terrible things. And and as as Michael said, in the 20th century— Close to 100 million people died on behalf of some of these ideas, both fascist, both on the far left and on the far right. So not to be alarmist, but we do have to take this stuff seriously. We do have to take that stuff seriously, and we also have to take the other point that he made seriously, which is that that being too pessimistic can paralyze you. And I think that's also a real threat to, to our current time. That people get so depressed by the crazy stuff that's going on politically, they go, oh, I'm just going to be outraged. There's nothing I can do. Right, right. And they don't 
they don't even want to find solutions. They just want to, you know, confirm that they're right and other people are wrong. One thing I want to push back on Michael Shermer is that he's a committed atheist and has, has written a lot about this. And I, I'm fine, fine with, with people who are atheists, but I don't want atheists to do to Christians what a lot of fundamentalist Christians do to atheists <laughs> and put them into a corner. Uh, there are plenty of fairly rational, moderate Christians doing a lot of great work, even conservative Christians as well, doing plenty of good work in their communities and around the world. Um, it's, Believing in God or believing in the afterlife is not the same thing as being a committed right. utopian. Right. So not everyone, you know, is living up to this sort of, you know, extremist fantasy of, of say, a, a Christian that they're, therefore, they, they believe so much in the afterlife that they're willing to trash everything today or do horrible things. And by the same token, in politics, you know, you hear me stress a lot the dangers of extreme left-wing thinking, you right. know, like Marxism. Right. And it, it does alarm me that it's that the the scary elements of that are so overlooked today. But not everyone who calls themselves a socialist is ready to go start, no. you know, lining up the rich peasants and shooting them. No, and you may not personally agree with it, but there's a proud democratic socialist, Absolutely. social democratic tradition, especially popular in Europe, and some of those very people, those very movements have done good things as well as things that you might object to. So we need to draw some distinctions and it's not fair to lump everybody, you know, in with the hardcore Marxists or with the crazy, you know, Islamist fundamentalists. And but also to recognize that that even in their less extreme forms, these ideas sometimes do have a pull. And and it's useful to see it. Don't use it to demonize other people, but you could use it to question certain, uh, especially political ideas, look at Make America Great Again. That's based on what he, like, he talks about. based on nostalgia. Yeah, this nostalgia for this mythic past that didn't really exist, this over, overblown pessimism about the present. And, uh, and then, you know, it could yield solutions that are extremist and dangerous. And yet you and I, Jim, we have a difficult job, and, and that is that, that improvement, is quiet and slow and gradual, whereas terrorist attacks are sudden and alarming and shake us up. Uh, the argument that we're making that the world is a better place than it was 50 or 100 years ago is a harder argument, hard argument very to often to make, right. even, if, even if we're right and they're wrong. You know, you asked me earlier whether I thought, whether I thought Shermer is an optimist or a rationalist. And I, I think that's a really great question. Uh, he would say he's a rationalist. You think he's an optimist. My take is, well, he's an optimist because he's looked rationally at history, and he's seen how, by applying these Enlightenment values, by, by, by you know, expanding that moral envelope of who we see as being a, a human like us in our, kind of in our tribe and worthy of protection and recognition as, a, as, an, as an individual with rights, as that circle has expanded through history, things have gotten better. So a lot of the trends are going in the right direction. And I love his emphasis on, instead of trying to go for some kind of a either nostalgic rejection of, of, of the present or some sort of 
you know, transcendental utopian vision of the future. Let's just keep it going. Let's keep making the world a better place a little bit at a time. And that's what we're doing here on How Do We Fix It? We're yeah. keeping it going. I, I think this is show 129 or 130 or something. We've been with you for every week with, with different subjects. Let us know what you'd like to hear uh, by getting in touch with us at howdowefixit.me, uh, leaving leaving us a, a, a message. Yeah, we love your, we love your comments. Let, you know, let us know what you'd like to see for uh, for future topics. And I just want to close on remembering my, my, the favorite thing that, that Michael said today was something that's, that my mother could have said. Make today count. It's How Do We Fix It. I'm Jim Meggs. I'm Richard Davies. Thanks for listening. Our producer is Miranda Schaefer. And our music's by Lou Stravinsky. We are a production of DaviesContent.com. And we make digital audio for companies and nonprofits. Thanks for listening. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.